uh, this morning, and God willing, uh, the next week will be our last in the series. This morning is part five, is the anointed life, the anointed life, and 1 Samuel chapter 16. Once you're there, if you would stand, I, I just want to read just a couple of portions out of the chapter to you this morning, but we do stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, uh, just to honor the Word of God. So once you're in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, I'm just going to read verse 1 and then pick up again uh, from verse 10. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're speaking this morning on the anointed life. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Verse 10, Samuel comes. It's in the house of Jesse. And it says, And again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Father, this morning we ask for your anointing, for the power of your Spirit, Lord, to be upon your Word. Lord, anoint us both to preach and to hear your Word. But, O oh God, we pray, Lord, that indeed, Lord, as your Word would go forth, that it would affect us, that it would change us, that it would find a place in our hearts. Lord, we pray for each of your people, Lord, under the sound of your Word today. We ask, Lord, that there would be a fresh anointing upon each and every life. Lord, we ask for your help. Lord, where else does our help come from? But our help cometh from the Lord. And so, Lord, we don't look to man. We don't look to the things of the world or the systems, Lord, that are around us. Lord, we look to you this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint us and help us and glorify your name. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats. Uh, this morning. I want to speak on uh, the anointed life. And I, I believe uh, passionately from Scripture that there is a second experience outside of salvation. Uh, some may call it the second blessing. Some may call it uh, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's what I understand it to be, uh, an empowerment or an enjoyment. I believe uh, passionately that the church needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need the anointing of God. And I also want to say this morning that this message is about an anointed life. We read here that when the anointing came upon David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, the Bible tells us, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. From that day forward. That David and his life, he was anointed for the task 
for the purpose of God, for what God had planned, the calling of God in his life. It was not just a one-day experience. That's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't just a meeting that he went to, got a touch, and then would carried on in his life. But it was anointed for a very specific task, the purposes of God. We know that because when you go, and I'll be finishing with this this morning, but if you turn right over, come to the end of David's life in Second Samuel uh, chapter 23. And this was a life lived from this time in the house of Jesse, the house of his father. And we know the story of David that is displayed to us and revealed to us in God's word. But in 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, it says, Now these be the last words of David. This is him at the end of his life. We've come uh, from the sheepfold right through to the king of Israel, right through to the very end of his life. And these are the words of David. David, the son of Jesse, is what the Bible says. And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, they call him the sweet psalmist of Israel. Here he is, a life that is anointed for the service of God. I believe that in the days in which we're living, because we know of the times, we're not ignorant of those things here in in this church. We know our eyes are open to uh, the days in which we're living in. We see the the prophetic calendar, as it were, being revealed in our time, and we are against principalities and powers. This is much of what this series has been, and the wickedness and so forth. But I believe that every one of God's people need the anointing of God to live their life for God, whether that be in the office, whether that be in the hospital, whether that be as a teacher, whether that be as a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, whatever ministry God has called us into, we need an anointing upon our lives. We need the anointing of God in order that we might serve God and fulfill His purposes. This is something that's beyond just something that will happen in an hour in a meeting. But this is actually God bringing His purposes and His calling and His plans into the hearts of His people in these days. And that God would anoint the saints of God, the people of God, that you can stand In your workplace, you can stand even though we're surrounded by the the powers of darkness and hell and all the wickedness that is rising, but that there's an anointing upon your life and my life in our homes and in our our fellowship and out on the streets and in our workplaces that we are the people of God and we have an anointing upon our lives to fulfill the purpose of God. It is a life that is surrendered. It is a life that is consecrated. It is a life that is yielded. It is a life that is all on the altar for God. It is a life that is sold out. And rather than so often we're thinking of just a meeting and something happens and then we carry on just in in the old ways of our own flesh and our own strength, I believe that God wants us an, an anointing upon our lives that we are going to live for God We're going to shine for God. There's going to be oil in our lamps in these dark days for the Lord Jesus Christ. The life of Christ was anointed. It was an anointed ministry. It was an entirely anointed ministry. If you turn over into Luke chapter 4, we read there of this life that the Lord lived, His earthly ministry was a life that was anointed. In Luke 4 and 16, it says that He came to Nazareth 
And there he, where he was brought up, as it was custom, verse 16, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the same Spirit of the Lord that came upon David. This is the same anointing that came upon the Lord. And he opened the book and he found the place and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The anointing of the Lord was upon Jesus to preach the gospel, to bring hope to a broken world, men that sat in darkness, hopeless, without hope. And how much more today do we need the anointing of God upon our lives for a world that is broken? We know that that the anointing is the Holy Ghost coming upon the Lord. In Luke chapter 3, if you go back the chapter, we see there at his baptism when he came up out of the waters, Luke 3 and 21. It says, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, praying. The Bible says that the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove unto him and a voice I came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee I am well pleased. Tells us in Luke chapter 4 in the opening verse that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Here we see an anointed life. An anointed life is led of the Spirit. An anointed life is full of the Spirit. God leads, God teaches, God instructs. A life that is under the anointing, is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He lives, she lives under the instruction, led by the Spirit of God. If we're led by the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. An anointed life produces the fruit of the Spirit. The character of the Lord Jesus Christ is evident in that life. How much this world needs to see Christians People who love the Lord here under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the character of Christ is seen in them and they're instructed, they're taught by, and Christ is seen in their lives. The Holy Ghost will manifest the Son in these vessels. That is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 10, it tells us there that one verse that we know well, that God anointed, 10 and 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The anointing of God, the Holy Ghost upon a life, a life that is separated, a life that is consecrated, a life that is surrendered. The anointing did not end with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in that upper room, there was 120 people 2,000 years ago that were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they functioned under the anointing. It was not just the initial meeting. And I believe in the initial meeting, but I also believe it's a life lived under the anointing. Paul was a man that was separated to live that life. And God has callings and purposes and plans for his people, for us as individuals. But those plans and purposes can only be achieved if we live a life under the anointing of God. 
And more so in the days in which we're living, we need the power of a living God to be in amongst the people of God. We need to see a a reality of God in these days of, of such despair and brokenness and darkness. But thank God that there is an anointing that we can come and we can know in our lives. But it is lives that are consecrated and surrendered and yielded to the Lord. You know, we, we must know that these are the days, although they may be dark, but these are the days that God's purposes, God's plans are still being revealed in lives. That even in this room this morning, there might be one life that, that God gets a hold of and they surrender all to Christ and God enables them by the anointing of God to fulfill the purpose of God in their life. It is an anointing that does that when you read and we love the great testimonies of the saints of old and the missionaries and those that left these shores, many of them that we know so well and they, and they packed their bags, they burnt their bridges as it were, they surrendered their lives to the Lord, but they went out and we see that they've done great things for the Lord. How did they do it? They did it because it was a life that was given and it was anointed by God. It's impossible to do it with man, but with God all things are possible. Who can have the anointing? We, we know we sing and we talk and we preach and we pray about the anointing, but it is an anointed life. It is a life that is truly given over to God. It is a yielded life. It is a life that, that, that is dead to self. It is a life that lays gladly all on the altar and says, I am going to live this life. I'm going to give you this life, not for a meeting, not just for a Sunday night service, but I am going to give you this life. And Lord, you take this life and you raise it up and you use it for your glory with your anointing upon it. It changes sometimes our perception of the anointing where it's just a service and we get a touch. And I, I say this because I am a Pentecostal, so I can say it. But sometimes we, we are like that. We have this idea that if something just happens in a meeting, then everything's going to be all worked out. And I believe in meetings like that, but I believe it's more than that. I believe it's so much more. It's, an, it's a life that's led down. It's a yielded life. It's a surrendered life. It's a life that says it's no longer I that liveth, but it is Christ that's living in me. I'm dead to all of this. And how the world needs to see lives like that. How the world needs to see a church like that. A church that is completely surrendered to her head. And that head is Christ, her living head. A church completely given over to the service of this great king. Some glad morning when this life is over, we're all going to fly away. The life is short. We don't have much time. The Lord is coming, that's for sure. But it's the life that we live and the anointing that God gives for that life. Not to do it in our own strength, but to trust the Lord. And I believe I really believe this, that the Lord is looking for a surrendered life this morning, truly surrendered. It's only the Lord that will know the heart when that heart is fully yielded over. But I believe it this morning that when there's a heart that fully surrenders all on the altar, there's an anointing that comes. And the Lord begins to work His plans and His purposes. And things happen because it's not you, but it's God. It's a God thing. 
We read those stories of those missionaries, how they left these shores on on one-way tickets on a boat to the other sides of the world. And we wonder how it all happened because lives were fully surrendered and consecrated and given up. They died to themselves and then we read the testimonies and we go, that's amazing, but it was not them. It was the Christ in them. It was the anointing of God on their lives. It was that that life that was given. There was a moment in that life when that life said, no longer I. There was a bowing of the knee and the will and the ambition and the opinion and the plan. And there was a bowing down and saying, God, I surrender all. I give you this life. Now, Lord, would you take it and would you anoint it? And God anoints the life and they begin to live a life under the anointing of the Spirit of God. Oh, God, would you anoint us this morning? Would you anoint your people? Why? Because you find hearts. Because there's a search of God. Do you know there's a search of God? This is not just a meeting this morning. This is not just a gathering. This is not just a get-together. But this is actually the people of God meeting and there's a search in the very heart of God for men and women, whether old or young, it's regardless of who we are, where we're from. But God actually searches for people that give their hearts and their lives solely to the king and say, I want to give this life over to serve God. And what happens is there's an anointing comes upon them. Call it what you want to call it. I know the churches are all divided over these things. But call it what you want to do. But it is the Holy Ghost on a life that's fully given. Then God begins to work. And things begin to happen. And doors begin to open. This anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, we are, we are in a warfare. We are in a battle. The church of Jesus Christ is in a battle in these days. It's in a warfare. You know, someone said to me last week, if you went by the news and what everyone said over the past two years, all of us should be dead. But this morning we're alive and we're breathing and God has brought us together and we're worshiping the Lord. I'm alive. Praise the Lord. I'm still above ground. And God has a purpose in that. He has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose and a plan for his church today, regardless of what man has done and what they've said. God's got a plan for his church, his church. And he's looking for a people. The calling of God, the surrendered life, not partial surrender, but a full surrender, a sweet surrender, and an anointing for the calling of God, an anointed life, an anointed life. We need an anointing because we are in serious days, brothers and sisters. Would you say amen if you believe that? I mean, these are really serious days. It's not just that people have different opinions, but it's actually we see that the, the whole system of the Antichrist has infiltrated every part of our society. You know, I, I get the some just updating emails of what's happening. I'm not talking about the our side of the world. I'm talking about the folks in the hill. I'm talking about those committees, the abortion, the banning of the gospel being preached anywhere near an abortion clinic. People standing, pleading. They're going to put a, a protection around that. You'll be prosecuted as a believer for giving out tracts anywhere near an abortion clinic. Those committees won't even let, listen, this is true. They won't even let anyone from the pro-life 
actually come and give a, 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 an argument or, or, or a presentation of what we believe. It is all sewn up. This isn't Stormont. This isn't across the world. This is here. How the whole system has been infiltrated with a liberal mind. But it's not just a liberal mind. It's an antichrist mind. That's what it is. And what's God looking in the midst of this? He's looking for people. He's looking for men as he's always searched for men and women to, 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 to stand for Christ, to be a voice in the wilderness under the anointing of God. You know, we read often that great Psalm, Psalm 23. We often read it at the deathbed of loved ones or at funerals. But, you know, it's so powerful. The Bible tells us in Psalm 23, we often read that verse, Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then it says in verse 5, Thou preparest the table before me in the very presence of mine enemies. You know, brothers and sisters, no matter how dark the night is or what the church is going to face, I believe that we'll face persecution in this country for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that there'll be a table even in the presence of our enemies. That God prepares a table for us. You're going through battles. You're going through trials. You have difficulties in your home or in your workplace. There's opposition. Can I tell you something? Listen, there's a table prepared for you in the midst of your enemies. That table, of course, is so wonderful. It's, you know, I meditated upon it yesterday. I was sharing with Nikki, but that table is the cross of Christ and the provision of the Lamb that was on the cross that you can draw from that Lamb this morning. That Lamb is Christ, the Lamb of God. That in the midst of all the troubles and trials, there's a table for me, even in the midst of mine enemies. Then it says these words, Thou anointest my head, with oil. There's an anointing in the midst of all of this. There's anointing. There's an anointing upon the head with oil. And then what does it say? On our cups. What happens to our cups? Our cups run away. Are these just words? Are these just words? This is the cross, the, the table in the midst of our enemies and the, and the power of the Holy Ghost. He anoints our head with oil and our cups are running over. There's a flowing out. There's a running over. There's an anointing for the people of God in the trials and the tribulations. There's a place that we can come. We can draw from the Lamb this morning, but we can be filled with the Holy Ghost and our cups run over. There's an anointing. He prepares. He's arranged the table. That's what that means. That word, thou preparest. God has arranged the table even in the presence of your very enemies. A table of preparation. Like Abraham said of old, he says, God will provide himself a lamb. There's a lamb this morning. There's a lamb. But he anoints our head with oil. There's an anointing. How many minds need the oil to flow on their head? How many minds this morning need to be cleansed of the thoughts and the lies of the enemy? This is a warfare. This is a battle. This is very real. There are so many that are being bombarded in their minds. Troubled in their minds. I'm talking about believers. Troubled in their minds. The lies of the wicked one. The lies of the enemy. The fiery darts. Paul calls them the fiery darts. The fiery darts that come to penetrate into the mind. And, and if they lodge, then we begin to feed on them. And then they bring us into a place of strongholds. But there's an anointing. And the anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing of God. How many people need the anointing to flow from their head 
to flow down, to cleanse them, to set them free from the powers of darkness. Thou anointest my head with oil. It's like the precious ointment upon the head, the psalmist says, the oil that flows down, the oil that flows down, and our cup runneth over. Do you know in the Hebrew that simply means, now that we hear what this means, it simply means to abundantly satisfy, to soak, or even to make drunk. That so much of the anointing of God would flow from the head and everyone would know of a touch of God in their lives this morning. Jesus said these words, if you, you know it, but if you want to turn to it, I want to read it back to front. It's the way it should be read in John 7 and 39. I'm going backwards. I'm not dyslexic. I'm just reading it this way so you can understand it. But John 7 and 39, Jesus said these words, This speak he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Christ was not yet glorified. Verse 38, He that believeth in me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 37, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and let him drink. You see, this is the Spirit of God. How much so many believers today need a touch of God, need the power of the Holy Spirit. My cup, thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. We need the power of the living God. We need God to touch our lives afresh this morning. We need an anointing upon our lives. We need an anointed life. This anointing came upon uh, David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you turn back, just to read verse 13. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13. And it says these words, Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day and forward. From that day and forward. This was an anointed life. That's what we're talking about this morning. A life given and a life anointed. David was about to face giants. We know the story well. But he needed an anointing upon him in order to face what he would face. His life was anointed. I hope I'm, I'm stressing this for a reason. You'll see it in a moment, but it's a life anointed. It's not just a meeting, but it's a life. God's purposes begin to be fulfilled when that life is anointed, and we walk in that anointing, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to be led of the Holy Ghost. I want us to look at a, David as a character and to see why at this time in 1 Samuel 16, why, why was he anointed? Why was David anointed? Well, there's a few things I want to point out. I'm sure there's others that you might see as well, but there's a few things I want us to look at this morning. First thing is that David did not necessarily have the outward abilities that would seem necessary for his call. He did not, it did not look as though he had the particular outward appearance of what everyone else thought you should have. 1 Samuel 16, if you follow with me, and verse 7, 
It says these words, again we know it well, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. That there are things that God refuses. That's what you must know. There's some things that God just refuses. I, I honestly believe that there's so much today in the church in general that God just refuses. He just says, I'm not for that. That's not it. We've created so much today of religion. So much today, particularly in this country, so much of it is religion and outward. But yet it's not the heart of God. And God has refused it. So much of it's going to be burned in the fire. So much of it is going to be burnt up that we thought this was all for God. And actually God's just going to say, I have refused that. Bible says that no flesh or glory in my presence. Everything that's done in the flesh or the strength of the flesh is not going to be counted for anything. Nothing in that day. So God had refused him. And then it says those words that we know so well. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward, but God is looking on the heart. Listen this morning. What God is looking at in this place is on the hearts of everyone that is here. I see on the outward, you see on the outward, but God actually looks on the heart of every individual that's in this room. God sees your heart. We often say, God knows my heart. What a true thing. What a true thing to say, God does know your heart, but you don't even know your heart yourself, neither do I. Like God actually knows your heart this morning. Man is looking on the outward, but God is looking right into the depths of the heart of his people. So David did not possess what everyone thought he should have for the task. The anointed life. See, David won his battles. David won his battles long before he ever got to face Goliath in that valley. David had already won his battles in a place that the Bible calls the secret place. David was a man of the secret place. The anointing comes on lives that aren't necessarily looked like what everyone thinks that God is going to use, but they've already won their battles in the place that is known in the Scripture as the secret place. It tells us in Samuel 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34, if you read it there, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34, when David came to Saul that great day that we is known for him of the slaying of the giant, but this is what David said to Saul, thy servant keep his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. In verse 37, it says, The Lord, David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. David already had his own personal encounters with God. He had his own testimony of that secret place with the Lord. He knew what it was to pray, to seek God, to spend time with God. This is an anointed life. Today it seems so cheap and so shallow that it just happens at a click of a finger. It doesn't. There's a preparation. There's a vessel. There's a heart. There's a desire. There's the dealings of God in the life. God's dealing with people in this room. He has been for a number of months and even some a number of years of bringing them to a place of a full surrender. 
And it's more than just a song on a Sunday morning, and thank God for that, but there's a heart that God has been dealing with for so many years, and there's a wrestle, and there's a picking up, and there's a laying down, and sometimes there has been the thought of laying everything down, but we've picked it up again, and there's the dealings of God, and God's working. And there's a secret place. All the battles of our lives are not won on a Sunday service. They're won in a place that's known as the secret place. There's a place with God that we're shut in where God deals with us. Is is your secret place a ritual or a reality? I've said my prayers. I've done my thing. I've, I've blah, blah. But has there been a reality of change in your heart? Has God dealt with you? Has he dealt with the issues of your life? Are you more like Christ? Has there been a wrestle like Jacob? And wrestling through to the break when God deals and touches us and changes us for life? You see, it's more, friends. The Bible says you would turn over into Psalm 91. You know the psalm very well, but it says these words, See, the key in it is in the first verse. Psalm 91, the key to everything else is in the first verse. We quote the other verses so often, but it's the first verse that's the key. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, this is a man that's in the secret place. This is a woman that's in the secret place. Shut in with God. I can say of the Lord that he's my refuge and my fortress. Why could he say it? Because he was in the secret place. He's my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. I will trust my God. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare, the entanglement, the entrapment of the enemy, and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. The secret place is why David could say these words. The psalmist could say, I'll not be afraid of the terror by night. Has it not shown us something that in these last few years that the the secret place has been abandoned by so many? The pestilence, the plagues, the judgment of God on our nation, and the church is petrified. The secret place has been abandoned because the Bible says he'll cover me with his wings and from the noisome pestilence. David was a man. This is the anointed life. David was a man of the secret place. He was a man that when you looked upon him, most of the people would say, I don't think God would use him. He doesn't look the part. He doesn't dress the part. He doesn't speak the part. But you see, God looks in the heart. Not only that, but David was a servant. 
of the Lord. He was a servant. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. We read it just a, a few moments ago, but just the opening line actually tells us a lot about the servant of the Lord. David was speaking to King Saul, and he said, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. That tells you so much about David in a few words. He was a servant of the Lord. He kept his father's sheep. Do you know what that means? It simply means that he brought the sheep to a place where they could graze. That's what it means. He brought the sheep to a place where there was good feeding. He was concerned for others. He was a servant. You know, we've read already this morning, 1 Samuel 16. Samuel took the horn of oil. I want to say a few things just about this. When Samuel, the prophet, when the prophet came to visit your town, it tells us this, the, the elders would speak. They, they actually began to tremble. The prophet would come with the word of the Lord. So the, actually the people would tremble. Have you come in peace? What type of word have you brought from the Lord? Is it a word of peace? Is it a word of judgment? And so actually when Samuel would come to visit the town, the whole town was awakened to the reality that the prophet of the Lord was here to bring the word of the Lord. I don't know how I could do this to bring some type of thought that what that would be like for us. But the only person that I could possibly think of, he's gone and go home to, to be with the Lord. But it's, it's like me saying this morning, uh, brothers and sisters, we have a special visitor this morning. Uh, he's dead and gone, but brother David Wilkerson's going to come and preach here. And he was a well-known, he never said that he was a prophet, but he prophesied and he was a worldwide-known uh, speaker and, and respected man of God. And so if I said that this morning, I would think that there'd be a few straight backs and they would stop biting their nails and falling asleep and everyone might waken up and say, well, it's David Wilkerson or it's the prophet of the Lord. And maybe, you know, maybe you were going to take a morning off, but because you heard the prophets coming, you're going to be here. And we'd all look our best and we'd sharpen up a little bit and say, the great prophet of the Lord is coming to deliver a message. That's, that's the type of mindset that there was when the prophet of the Lord was coming. You remember that David stands in that house, the house of Jesse. He's brought in from the sheep. There was everyone else had passed before the prophet. The Lord had said, I, you know, this is not him. And, and so David comes in. And there he's standing amongst his brethren. His father's there. His brothers are there. And Samuel the prophet, the Lord said, this is him. I want you to anoint them. We read the story here that Samuel took the horn of oil. David is standing there, this slippling, ruddy lad. And he begins to pour the oil over his head. The oil is a symbol or, or an emblem of the Holy Spirit. We, we have emblems this morning of the bread and the juice. We took the bread. The bread is nothing in the bread. It's just bread. But it's an emblem of the body that was broken. The, the, the juice that we... It's just juice this morning. But the juice that we drank is an emblem of the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe in that blood this morning. 
The oil that so often that we anoint those that are sick and call for the elders of the church. It's just olive oil. There's nothing special. I know online you can get scented oil and it's oil from Israel and oil from Africa and every. But this is just olive oil from Sainsbury's. But it's not in the oil. It's not in the bread and it's not in the juice. It's the symbolism of it all that there is, there's power in the blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin, that his body was broken, but there is the oil. There's the oil. And Samuel stands and he begins to pour the oil over David's head. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that time on forward. He was anointed, his life was anointed. You turn over into 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. This is a bit strange. Because the brethren now have gone out to war. The brothers are out at war. They've got the armor on. We know that they're in that trench. Goliath's coming out every day. Is there no one? And Israel were living in unbelief. It's much like the church today, in unbelief and fear and in the trench. Yes, we've all the armor, we've all the facilities, we've all the modern technology, but we're living in trenches when the enemy is rising. And now Jesse in verse 17 of 17 says to David, his son, Hey David, would you take this, this portion of corn? Would you take these ten loaves? Would you run to the camp of your brethren? Would you take these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and find out how the brethren fare and take their pledge? Listen, just for a moment. This is the man that's just been anointed. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon him. He's anointed to be king. God had a plan and a purpose for his life. He was anointed amongst his brethren. The whole town of Bethlehem knew the prophet of the Lord has come. He's taken David. You little David. David. Yes, little David that minds the sheep. He's taken David. He brought him into the house. He poured the oil over his head. He's anointed him and the Spirit of God came upon David. Jesse says the next day, David. Listen, I need you to do me something. Yes, Dad, what do you want me to do? David, would you get, you know that Ephesus was uh, 40 liters of parched corn. 40 liters, that's what it was. That's 40 liters, 40 liters is a brave. That's not, I mean, you're not going to just run up and down the stairs five times and not feel it. 40 liters worth of corn. And here, by the way, David, would you take these 10 loaves? And David, by the way, would you take the, these 10 blocks of cheese? Would you just run up to the battlefield there? Find out how your brethren are doing. Give them the corn. Give them the loaves. Give them the cheese. Find out how they're doing. Take their pledge. That means get their report. And you come back down to me and tell me how everything's going. Hold on a second. But David, you're the anointed one. I can imagine it happening today that because we're in a different age, I can imagine happening today, someone saying, do you not know I'm anointed? You're asking me to carry this. Is there nobody else can help? You want me to bring these ten? But I've just been anointed. I'm chosen of God. I'm the anointed one. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. 
I've just been anointed in my, in my father's house. Like I'm the guy. That's what most of the charismatic movement and Pentecostal movement has become. That's what it is today. Nobody knows what it is to serve. See, David missed the moment. He could have missed the moment if he had had the mindset of the 21st century church because it was a divine moment, because he was willing to serve in the small things. That was a divine day in his life when he went with the loaves and he's struggling up the hill with the 40 liters and the 10 blocks of cheese and he sees all of, all of the church in the trench and he's there to serve his brethren. But that day was a divine day because David was willing to serve. To serve. And I've seen it all. You've seen it all too. All the prophetic conferences and all the calling out and all the big things. I'm not saying it's all nonsense, but friends, the most of it is. Because the anointing upon a life will cause a man or a woman to know what it is to serve the body. Oh, I'm anointed. Step aside. Put the lights up. I've got the anointing. I'm called. Hey, David. Yes, Father. David, would you do me something? Yes, Father. He had a heart that was willing and obedient. Would you do me something, David? Yes, Father. There's 40 liters there, weight of corn. There's 10 loaves. There's 10 blocks of cheese. Would you take all that up? Father, I'd be willing to do that. And friends, because David was willing to serve, there was a divine day in his life that we sing about, that we preach about, that we teach our kids about. We act this out with our kids. When our kids were small, we used to do David and Goliath in our room, and they used to love it, and I obviously was Goliath, I wasn't David, and they used to do the stone, and I used to hit them in the head, and oh, but Trevor Brown done it, and India as well, when we done it with the kids out there, and the kids all love it, and they all jump up, and they all cheer, and they all rejoice. But friends, it's because one morning... With the anointing in a life, his father said, You see, friends, you never know, no matter how insignificant it may be, no matter how small it may be. Someone stood, I believe it was Keith, many years ago in the market square, and I believe he preached the message, despise not that they have small things. I was 15 years ago in the market house. Maybe only a dozen of us or so at that time. Nicky coming in with that double tandem pram. Caleb was in the front, like carrying the cement lorry. (laughs) Sitting in that kitchen and just half a dozen of us. And and he's saying, despise not the day of small things. Despise not the day of small things. You see, friends, we could have seen that it was all, all of us at that time. We could have just seen that it was a nothing. But because God called, because a people were willing to obey and just persevered and endured and carried on, has God not been good? You see, in the small things that we miss this, I'm laboring it, I know I am. But if you miss the small things, You see, the day that you're doing the insignificant thing could be the greatest day in your life. 
The day that you're doing the most insignificant thing could be the greatest day in your life. Was the day that David burst onto that field? Probably. Did he not say, where's the sword of Goliath? Was that not a mark of victory in his life that he always looked back to and said, that was a day I'll never forget what God done. Because he was willing to take the corn, the bread, and the cheese to his brethren. The Bible says we're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Do all things, the Bible says, without murmurings and disputings. Do everything without murmuring. Everything without murmuring. The Bible says do everything that you do you hear me this morning? Everything that you do, I know nobody murmurs, it's only me, right? Everything that we do, we're to do it without murmuring. Everything that we do. I tell you, friends, there's some murmuring. You know, if we're doing things for the Lord and you don't want to do it, can I tell you something? You're better not doing it. Because see, if you do it with the wrong heart, it doesn't count for that. It doesn't count for that. Oh, you might do it because your name's on the board. Uh, be honest with you, I'm stepping in the crocodile water, I know, but you're better not doing it. Do everything without murmuring. You see, we want an anointing, and people might think, how are you tying that into the anointing? I'm tying it. Directly to the anointing. The men that came up at Ezra, the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house that was at Jerusalem, they offered freely for the house of God to set it up in his place. They were glad to serve the Lord. Are you glad to serve the Lord? Are you glad to serve the Lord in whatever capacity you serve him in? Are you glad to serve the Lord in the crash? Praise the Lord. I know what someone's saying in their heart, he's never done it. I have no problem doing it. See, people see the things. Are you willing? You see, are you willing to serve in the things that aren't seen? Are you willing to serve? You see, it could be your greatest day in your life. The next time that Leon texts and says, our drains are blocked, can someone come and clear it? That could actually be the greatest day in your life. That could be the moment that while you're doing that, you can meet some poor sinner in that alleyway and you have an opportunity to point him to Christ. And that sinner could be the one, that poor woman could be the one that goes into a village and says, come see a man that told me all things ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Because we're willing to serve. He was also a man that was after... God's heart. This is often misquoted. I have misquoted it. He's a heart after God. But actually, the Bible says he was a man who was after God's heart. And there's actually two different things there. Two different things. It's good to have a heart after God. I'm not saying don't ever use that. But actually, he was a man who was after God's heart. Because when we say I have a heart after God, sometimes our hearts 
have their own desires and they're not God's desires. I have a heart after God. I pray we all do, but is that heart birthed in his? In 1 Samuel, I'm closing in a few minutes, 1 Samuel 13 and 14 says these words. You can come awake again. You heard the, the final call a few minutes ago. 1 Samuel 13, everyone sits up, gets their Bibles. We've been listening the whole time. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 13 and 14 says, But now thy kingdom shall continue. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. But the Lord sought him a man after his own heart. This was at the end of Saul. Saul, he was anointed, but Saul would not fully follow the Lord. He was, he was partial in his service. He would not fully obey the Lord. This is the anointed life. And so the search, the Bible tells us the Lord began to search, sought out him, a man that was after his own heart. A man that was after his own heart. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, this morning in this room. I believe that God still searches for men and women. I believe that the searchlight of God is in this room this morning, that God is searching for men and women who are not after their heart, but after his heart. This is the anointed life. In Acts chapter 13, we read there in verse 22 that the search ended in success. The search ended in success. Acts 13 and 22, Bible tells us there, when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Search of God. God's searching for a man. Think about I think that's the most awesome thing that the creator of the heavens and earth, the almighty God, that there's a search for people. There's a search for men and women to save them. There's a search like that shepherd after that lamb. There's a search to save men and women, save them from sin, save them from eternal torment, save them from hell, save them from themselves. And there's a search for men and women, a search of God to find a people that are after his heart. Let me ask you this morning, are you after God's heart? Are you after God's heart? The search, the search for that man, that man culminated in that room in Bethlehem, in the house of Jesse, when Samuel the prophet stood before an unlikely character, but a man of a secret place, a man that was willing to serve, or a woman that could be willing to serve, and God found that man in that house. I ask you this morning, in God's searchlight, because I still believe the Holy Ghost is searching for men, and hearts. Can I ask you a question this morning as we close? God's searching. Has God found the man or the woman in you? 
Has he found the man or the woman in you? Man or a woman that's after his heart. The end of his life. At the end of his life. And his life is open for all of us to read. I'm thankful that mine isn't. But his was. Everything about David is there for us to read. But at the end of his life, the Bible records this. He was a man that was raised up. He was the anointed of the God of Jacob. He was the anointed. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. We need an anointed life for the day in which we're living. I know that this is true, that God for us is a fellowship. I say that just as a fellowship this morning, that there is so much more that God desires to do through this fellowship, so much more. I believe we're only really at the beginning. I know we've been here 16 years, but I, I really believe we're only at the beginning of God's purposes and the unfolding of that. I really believe that God wants to do so much more. So many other things that are going to open up in these days are going to happen. They're, I believe that they're going to happen. God's going to open doors. He's going to open avenues, things, callings. Things are going to open up in a tremendous way. I know that's the truth, but it's going to happen by lives that are anointed. And a church that's anointed. The anointing, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What God's searching for. See, don't worry. Friend, this morning, please don't worry. Don't allow the enemy to come. Because the enemy, man will ridicule. Another one of the things, just not going to get there this morning, but two things that you'll have to face for a life that's fully consecrated. You'll, you will have to, you will have to be ridiculed by your own brethren. You will face ridicule as, as brethren. When he came that day, Eliab, his brother, was furious with him. He said, I know what you're about. You're, it's your pride. That's what's wrong with you. That's why you're here. You're out for yourself. You're out for your own name. So you'll have to be ridiculed. You will face ridicule. Rejection from your brethren. You'll face ridicule from the enemy. Goliath looked at him and says, is this for real? Is this the best you've got? I believe that's what the enemy's saying at the minute. And he looks across the land. Is this the best? But I want to tell you, friends, there's a church in this day. There's a people in this day that do love the Lord, want to serve Him, want to see souls saved, want to see His kingdom established. But God's searching for a man, for a woman that is after His heart. Has He found that man or woman in you? Has He found them in you? Don't, don't be thinking... Anything else but are you available to give that life over to the Lord fully for that anointed life? That anointed life. That's what the world needs to see. God's searching. Has he found it in you this morning? Let's pray together.